Pastor Brian. All right. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Good? Good. Well, you look pretty. Look at you guys clean up nice, huh? All right. Well, this morning, let's, uh, let's start um, with the scripture reading. We're going to start in Luke. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the Gospels, New Testament, under the L's. It's not true. Please don't look like that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, here we go. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look up on the screen. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem... This is Jesus. As he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Because remember, he was a Samaritan. He's not a Jew, right? So they considered them a foreigner except this foreigner, and he said to him, arise, go, go your way, your faith has made you well. You know, some of my favorite portions of scripture um, that I love to read are the ones where Jesus walked the earth. You know, there's so much, I mean, the Bible is great, all of scripture is good, but I just particularly love to read about Jesus, what he did, what he acted like, what he said, all the miracles. You can't see it enough because this is our, our role example. This is who we're supposed to be like, right? So it's great to see him in person, how he, uh, how he interacts with people, what he said. And you can definitely read the Bible like a historical account. And it will, the, 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 the scripture says that the the light enters you as you read the word. So it's good to read it that way. It's good to have the historical account. But if you truly want to grow in Christ and become like Jesus and act like Jesus and do what Jesus did, then you're going to have to dig a little deeper when you read and not just let it be an historical account in your mind. Okay? So how do you do that when you read? I'm going to give you a couple of different ways that I do that. So let's say I'm reading, I read this, this account in the morning. Now I want to dig a little deeper because obviously it's there, we get what happened. Let's dig a little deeper. So I might uh, open up different translations of the Bible. If you don't actually have different Bibles to go look at on your phone, there's a Bible app. You can pull it up and you can look up all the different translations. Why does that matter? Because the Bible, the New Testament was written originally in Greek. And so one word in Greek can actually have multiple meanings in English. So it can change 
a little bit of how you look at the story or how you interpret something when you see it in a different translation. So you can look and read it in different ones and see what speaks to you in it. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Whenever I open my Bible in the morning, I always start by saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. This word is alive. This is living. God wants to speak to you. It's the number one way if you want to hear the Lord speak to you will be your Bible. So don't just approach it like every other book on your shelf. You open it up and you say, okay, what do you want to say? So you look at different translations and sometimes there will be a word that really speaks to you or that's quite different and actually can change a lot of the story. And I'm going to show you one of those in this story later on. The second thing I like to do when I, is to engage, in order to engage uh, in a deeper way, for the Holy Spirit to show you something deeper, is I'll use my imagination to recreate the story in my mind. So I will have read the story in different translations, and then I'll sit back on my couch and maybe close my eyes, and like a director or a writer or a producer that I thought maybe one day I would have been, you know, I'm gonna build the movie. All right, with what we know. And as I begin to imagine in my mind and build the movie, now the Holy Spirit starts to reveal different things that you didn't see. So I'll close my eyes and I'll picture the scene. So here we are, everybody, we're picturing the scene. What do we have to work with? We're told that it's, he's on the way to Jerusalem. He's going through Galilee and Samaria and he's going, it's kind of the outskirts. If you've been to Israel, there's lots of valleys. There's some green, there's a lot of dry patches as well. So it could have been dusty and, and green and he's approaching. There's a small little village that he's coming up to. And, and so far, that's what we know of the scene. And then we see that there's 10 lepers and they're far off. They're keeping their distance because they had leprosy. Leprosy was a horrible, horrible disease. What it did is it attacked the nervous system, so you would actually lose feeling in your body. You, you would develop sores all over your body. It affected the, the respiratory system as well. But because you lost feeling, you would bang your hand on something or smash your hand or your toe with something, and you wouldn't even know it. So your body would develop an infection. You still wouldn't know it, and you would lose the body part. People's fingers would fall off. Their ears would fall off. There, it was common that if you had leprosy, you were missing body parts. Okay? It is not a nice disease. Plus, uh, you, you'd eventually die from this. It wasn't as contagious as they thought it was, but <clears throat> back then they thought it was very un, uh, contagious. And so if you had this, you were also called ceremonially unclean. <clears throat> Everything then was to do with, can you go to the temple? Were you allowed in? Were you allowed uh, around other people? And so they weren't even allowed to be in the temple because they were unclean. But worse than this, they were kicked out of the city. That's it. Goodbye, family. Goodbye, everybody you've known. You can't come anywhere near them. You are now an, on the outskirts. You're kicked out. And, more, and even worse than that, if you were to come close to anybody else, you have to shout, unclean, I'm unclean. Don't come any closer, I'm unclean. Imagine having to shout out your sickness. Imagine having to shout out your sin or your failures or the thing you're embarrassed about out loud to everybody. Talk about shameful. So back to the scene. So we don't get much backstory on these 10 lepers. <clears throat> Remember, we're trying to understand these characters. Who are they in the story? 
We don't get much backstory on them. All we know about them is that they're sick. All we know about these 10 is their issue. All we know about them is their dysfunction. And what they've done is they've created a group, a community around their pain. It didn't matter their race. It didn't matter their religion. It didn't matter their social background. What mattered, what drew them together was their dysfunction. See, in the very same in today's world, people will look for groups. They will pull together around their struggle, around their hardship, around the pain you've been through. They'll do a support group. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with support groups, okay? I'm just saying you will see people that will group together around their misfortune. And this is because God created us for community. Why do you think we push so hard to get you into a life group? Or say, hey, look at those little things in the back seat of your, in, your, in, the, in the seat pocket there for the interest groups. Get involved in an interest groups. Because we understand how important community is, and even more so, a community centered around Jesus. You need people that you group together with because Jesus is their focus. You need people that when you get around, that all they want to talk about is Jesus. Because that will help you, it will change you, it will help you grow. Because people that just stay in the dysfunction, dysfunctional groups, they will never change. See, because if you change, then you no longer belong. And people are more afraid of not belonging than their dysfunction. So now we see Jesus steps onto the scene. Come on. Here comes Jesus and all of his compassion. This is the thing about Jesus. He's never going to leave you like he found you. I don't care if it's only one word or one promise or one command or one look. Your life has the ability to never be the same. That's Jesus. So we see him walk on the scene and he says to them, from a distance, go show yourselves to the priests. I'm the director. Lepers, what's your reaction? What? Like, that's all we get? He's not even going to pray for us? What about, I've heard he anoints with oil. What about that? I mean, I'll take some mud. Like, is he not even going to, you know, give us an anointed cloth? Like, seriously? He, that's it? There's 10 of us. He couldn't even just, like, give us a prayer? Just go show yourself to the priest? But, see, the thing is, the Jewish law said that if you are ceremonially unclean for any reason, when you did get clean, you had to go show yourself to the priest. The priest would evaluate and declare you to be clean so you could be back in society and invited back into the synagogue. But they're still full of leprosy. So they're like, I don't get it. Jesus said we got to go. So should we, should we go? I mean, we, we're, still, we're still covered in leprosy. Are we going to go? I mean, what are we going to go show him? I, we're still sick. We still have the problem. But Jesus said, go. See, herein lies 
the faith test. Right here in this moment, how much do you truly believe what Jesus said or do you just say the right thing to your friends at church on Sunday? Do you truly believe the words that Jesus spoke or are you just saying the Christianese thing that needs to come out of your mouth when somebody asks you what's going on? See, because it's not just about what you say in the moment, it's about what you do. All through scripture, you see Jesus giving somebody a command. To the lame man, he says, get up. To the blind man, he says, go wash. To these th guys, he says, listen, go. Why? Why, Jesus? Why is there always this command? See, because the miracle takes place in the action. The action is walking out your faith. The scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. The scripture doesn't say we stand still and say a bunch of stuff. The scripture says we walk. You walk by faith. You take the action. You don't just say everything you need to say. You actually walk it out. So my question to you is, what action is linked to your faith? What are you standing on believing God for? And I can tell you're believing for it because of your action. Because of the way you're walking, I can look at them and say, wow, they're believing for X, Y, Z. Because I know in their life it hasn't manifested, but I can tell by their action that they're walking in it. See, this is where it comes, where you say, well, I, I don't know. The limitation is my circumstances haven't changed. Everything I'm looking at still looks the same. I don't see a difference after my encounter with Jesus, but I'm going to walk anyway. See, I don't see a difference in my finances yet, but I'm going to give anyway. I don't see a change in that relationship, but I'm going to keep forgiving anyway. That's what it means to walk by faith. That's what it means to take the action step. What action is tied to your faith? See, most people, they're not acting on the word now. They're waiting for some kind of confirmation. Well, you know, when I see a change in my husband, then I'll start praying for him again. When I see, when I see some hint that my boss likes me at work, then, then I'll start believing for that promotion again. When I see some glimmer of hope, I will know that my faith is working. See, you got it backwards because that's not faith at all. That's not faith. See, you're waiting on the natural to confirm the spiritual instead of walking in the spirit and changing the natural. I'll say it again because you weren't listening. You're waiting for the natural to confirm the spiritual instead of walking in the spirit and changing the natural. They heard it. That's better. At least they're listening. Thanks, guys. Oh, and the people online, I think you're listening too, so that's good. Give me a thumbs up if you heard it. See, because he said, as they went, they were cleansed. As you're walking it out, here comes the miracle. 
As you keep going, here comes the miracle. It's not just sitting around saying it with your mouth. You can say it all day long. Let me see you walk it for a while. And the Bible's not clear how long they were walking. It's a long way to Jerusalem. You think they just turned, took two steps and they were healed. If that was the case, all 10 of them would have turned and came back. They must have been quite a distance. It was an inconvenience how far away they were to come back, which means they had walked for a while in this condition. How long are you willing to walk in your condition before you see the change? Walking in the faith, walking in the action, believing, God, I'm going to keep walking. I haven't seen the change, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep going. I ain't going to change, God. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep walking because I walk by faith, not by sight. See, as they went, they were cleansed. So we go back to the scene, the narrative. We know that there are ways away they get cleansed. One of them runs back. But before that, we have another character introduced into the scene. Because Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Now we understand why Jesus said that, because we understand that the, we, because of the Jewish law, they had to go understand it. But the thing is, there's so many miracles that Jesus did that said in the scriptures that if everyone was to be recorded, there wouldn't be enough books to contain them. So you have to ask yourself, why this one? Why this miracle is recorded? What did he do differently in this miracle that we need to understand? So how does the priest speak to us today? What is our takeaway from what he said? See, the priest would examine you and then the priest would declare it. The priest would declare you're healed. The priest would declare your whole. See, we have a high priest and he has declared you're healed, you're righteous, you're saved, you're victorious, you're one, you're whole, you're healed. See, now he says, what will you declare? What will you declare over your life? Will you mimic and say what the high priest has said? Because those lepers would have turned around and told their friends, guess what? The priest said, I'm clean. I'm allowed back into society. See, but our high priest has said, you're victorious. You should turn around and tell your friends, you know what my high priest said? He said, I'm victorious. He says, I'm healed. He says, I'm going to be a success. He says, I'm more than a righteous one. I am more than a conqueror because that's what my high priest has declared over me. Can you declare it over yourself? Can you declare it over your own life? Because I'm telling you, those lepers, they would have been telling every single person they could about what the priest declared over them. And on that same note, who are you allowing to declare things over your life that should never be declaring things over your life? 
I'm not talking about the co-worker who's, who doesn't like you and says stuff behind your back. Yeah, whatever. Brush it off. There's going to be haters. They're going to hate. Just whatever. Let it go. I'm talking about the people that sometimes you let in your life because you respect them. Could be a family member. It could be somebody that you, re you respect what they've done and you honor them and so you allow them into your life. And it's not that they give bad advice all the time. It's just that sometimes what they say in a particular situation is not of God. Maybe they're speaking into your marriage, but the advice they're giving is not of God. What they're saying about your business or your vision or your plans is not of God. Some of you need to set some boundaries. See, I can't afford in my life to have anybody that can't dream or see what God can do. Because what God has called me to do requires me to get over my insecurities. I know you're thinking, she can't possibly have any insecurities. Oh, you don't know, child. Have you met my dad? He's like not even here and I'm still feeling it. You know what I'm saying? Um, whatever God calls you to do, you're going to feel inadequate. But he's not going to help you with that. He expects you to. See, so I have to deal with my own insecurities to follow the Lord and what he's got for me. But if I allow people into my life, I need people in my life that are going to not feed those insecurities but squash them. Because in order for me to walk on the water with God requires all of my mind, soul, spirit, and heart to be singularly focused on Him. And all of my willpower to agree with what He is saying over my life. So I don't have time for the naysayers. I don't have time for the people who have my best interest at heart. Bless your heart, but no. My question is, do you have God's interest at heart? Some of you need to do a little spring cleaning on your phone. There are some contacts you need to just go delete, 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 delete. You need to set some new boundaries on your time because your time is precious. Your time is borrowed. It is borrowed from God Almighty. He has an assignment for your life. And he needs you to walk with him in it. It's going to require all of your faith. It's also going to require you getting over yourself. And you alone know what your insecurities and holdbacks are. And some of you keep praying about them. And God says, stop praying about them and do something about them. So many people keep saying they think prayer is a magic wand. No, it's not. There's God's part and there's your part. And God is going, I don't know how many times I have to tell you, but that relationship is not healthy. It keeps setting you back three steps. You take one step forward on Sunday and three back during the week. Cut it out. God will be 
happy. You think, oh, I'm supposed to love everybody from a distance. I don't know what was wrong with Christians and thinking that wisdom, they don't need it. <clears throat> you need it, folks. In relationships, you need it. You have to be wise who you spend your time with. Wise. Like, look at the, the, the temple in the Old Testament, the, the outer court, the middle court, and the holy of holies. You should have a handful of people in that interim part with you. You don't tell all your life to every person. You don't share your dreams and your visions, what God's got for your life with just anybody. A tiny handful of people. Because you know already in your heart you're struggling to believe it. You're like, what? Is this, is this, okay, God, really, really? You don't need one single person to rain one drop of negativity on it. And they will. Because they just can't help themselves. They're looking out for your best interest. Mm. Okay, I got on a tangent. I'm coming back. I'm bringing it back. All right, so back to the account. So now they've walked away. They're healed. One's run back to Jesus, fallen at his feet. And so remember how I said to you, you can read something in different translations and you can see something differently. So I read mostly out of the New King James, but I also have, I also look up the King James a lot. I look up um, the NLT, different versions. And the King James is arguably the most researched and well put together, close to the original as you can get. The problem is with the King James is the these and the thous and the swishes and stuff that you're like, what is, what language? Okay, because it's old English and some of us it's challenging, okay? English is challenging for some people. So let's just, you know, keep to the easy stuff. So, but it doesn't help to go and read a specific story once you've read it. And the King James has one word different in the story that no other translation has, and I looked through like 10 of them. What word is it? It's at the end of the story, Jesus says to him, go on your way, your faith has made you well. Every translation says well, except the King James, it says whole. Why is this distinction important? Because as I explained, in leprosy, you would have been missing body parts, fingers, ear, an eye, toes. So the scripture says that as they, the 10 left, they were healed. So the sores dried up on their body. They suddenly could breathe. Feeling came back in their nerves. They suddenly realized, guess what? I'm healed. But what about the consequences I bear in my body? What about the destruction that it's left in its wake? What about my loss? See, when God makes you whole, whole, the last leper, whole, all the body parts grew back. The eye came back, the ear came back, the fingers came back, it all came back. See, because when God makes you whole, what's lost comes back. Your failure becomes a success. That lost child comes back. Whatever is damaged is restored. Because when God makes you whole, the miracle is complete. 
but only one came back out of the ten. Nine stopped short of the full miracle. Nine stopped short of the full miracle. Why? Because they were satisfied. They were satisfied. Oh, I can get back, I can get back to my family now. I can get back to a job. I can, I can go back to my wife now. This is good. I'm good. I'm allowed back in the temple. I'm satisfied. What are you stopping short of? What are you stopping short of because what you've got is enough? I'm comfortable here. This is enough, God. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I finally got a pray on I, I got a good spouse. I got a good husband or a wife. Or I got the baby. Or I've got this job. I'm good. I, I, I'm, I'm healed enough. I can still walk. I'm no longer dying. My, my business is, is out of the red. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm, this is enough. I'm good. I'm satisfied. What are you stopping short of? What wholeness is still waiting for you? And you'll see in their life is that they were too busy to come back to give God thanks. They pray God answered and they just couldn't wait to run and tell everybody, hey, look, I'm back. Let's go. What those plans we were making, let's continue. I'm ready. And this happens all the time. Prayers get answered, little miracles get happen. And then I'm like, oh, can you come and testify? Yeah, you know, I'd love to, but we're going to go out of town for a few weeks. And then, uh, you know, I'm just going to be busy back at work and I'll get to it when I can. God blesses people with, with more work. They're, they're praying, God, I need more finances. God blesses them with more work. Well, I can only come to church like twice a month now. I can't go to life groups anymore because I'm just, I'm busy now. Instead, we should have people waiting, banging down that door on Sunday morning. Are you open yet? Right. I need to get down front. I need to be the first one to run to that altar and lift my hands up and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that miracle today. Thank you, Jesus, for that increase. Thank you, I got two more dollars on my, on my income an hour, God. Thank you for my, and, I, and let me just tell you, we have people in here. I'm not, I, this is not knocking you guys because I get so many emails each week, and I'm sorry I can't mention all of you on a Sunday, but I see the emails that come. People come up to me and say, hey, I got a $3 raise. Shout out, Shelby. I, I got a, I got a, this raise. I got this happen. God answered this little prayer. And, and to Serena, I know she's watching because she takes care of her son. With her uncle, the prayers that she asked us to pray and, and, and the extended of his life and stuff that happened. I, I love that. I love the, the giving glory to God, the testimony, because it says every good and perfect come, gift comes down from above. So anything good that's happening in your life, you have a reason to thank him. You have a reason to give him praise, to give him glory. And that's what it should be. Give him the glory and give him the praise for what he's done. There was something about the giving him praise and thanking him and worshiping that completed the miracle. See, God will do things in your life, but the fullness, the completeness of the miracle comes when the, you acknowledge him. 
you can't help but worship and praise and thank Him and give Him the glory and keep telling people, you don't understand what God has done in my life. When you go to His feet and you say, God, thank you. Wow, thank you. I am fully aware this is all you, God. This is all you. You don't see, and this is the thing, sometimes people are waiting for that big end of, the, end of the road, big, complete miracle. Can you thank Him in the journey along the way? Yes. The other thing when I was looking at the story is, you notice that it was one out of ten lepers came back. What is another way to say one out of 10 if you're talking in percentages? What was that? 10%. Where else is 10% important? The tithe. The tithe always comes back to God. Out of the 10 walking away, one had to come back. Because the tithe always comes back to God to give Him glory. Come on, can you see this? One out of ten, the tithe, what belongs to God will always come back to God. The tithe will always give Him glory and honour. The tithe, what in your life is your tithe? See, you don't think, you just think it's the money, it's your time. There's the time, there's the money, there's whatever it is that belongs to God already wants to go back to Him. It knows where it came from. It wants to go back. See, so many Christians fight and argue over, I don't know, giving 10%, you're trying to put me under the law. Good Lord, I look at my money and be like, God, how much can I live on and give to you? Like 10, seriously, what can I do? 12, 13%, 14. 10 is like a starting block. Like if you're fighting over 10% to give it to God, he's not the IRS, people. Like you're not trying to find deductions. Like, seriously, how little can I give and still get away with it? And then people wonder why there's no miracle in their life. They wonder why their finances are suffering or this is going on. Because what belongs to God, He's not going back to Him. Your time is a tithe. When you come and sit here and come to God and worship Him with everything you've got, that's a tithe of your time to God. We give it freely. We give it because we love Him. We want to be here. God, I want to give it to you. When it comes to what you do with your work and your life, yes, your tithe goes back to God. It should be above and beyond. Like, God, how much can I give you and still live on? Because I know that giving to you, I can't outgive you, God. But everything in your life, there's a tithe. Do you understand that the very breath you breathe is borrowed from God? Nothing you own in this life, don't fool yourself. It's borrowed. What part of your borrowed breath is going back to God? What part of your day do you wake up and say, this is not just the time with you, but it is my tithe, God. This is what's going back to you. My borrowed breath is going back to you because it wants to go back to you. I don't even think this story could be written differently because it just happens that way. What's God is God, and it will run back to Him. And if you withhold it, it will cause havoc in your life. You wonder why certain things go wrong? is because you're withholding what is God's, and it knows it. Your money is smarter than you. 
It's burning in your pocket because it's like, let me go. Your arms want to raise and worship God and you're holding him down. Your arms are like, dude, I, I am made for this. So please, please let me go. Please let me go. I need to go up higher. You know, and most of you are like, mm, keep them down, keep them down. We were made to worship. We were made to return to the one who loves us most. We were made for that. And he is such a good God that when you do, he completes you. Amen. He completes you. Yes. He fulfills the miracle in your life. How many are stopping and settling for the incomplete miracle in your life? What wholeness is waiting for you on the other side of your thanksgiving? How many are withholding it because they feel God hasn't answered prayers X, Y, Z? Well, I don't, I'm just not that thankful today because I'm just not seeing this. And God is like, what about the breath that's coming out of your mouth right now? How about that? Can you be thankful for that? See, when you learn to live a life of thankfulness and of gratitude, watch how your entire life becomes whole. You can't live in anger. You can't live in unforgiveness. You can't live in strife. You can't live feeling hopeless when you live a life of gratitude. Because the more you're grateful and gratitude to God, God, I just love you. I thank you. You're so good. Thank you for your mercy and your grace today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the very breath that's in my lungs. Thank you for giving me fingers and not leprosy. Thank you that I didn't have to fight some horrible disease. Thank you that I was born this way. Thank you, God, for your goodness that I see. Can, I mean, how long can we go on? Most of you need to stop praying and just spend it thanking him. See how long you can go. Don't ask for one thing. Spend the next week, every morning in your quiet time, just thanking him. Trust me, you won't run out of things. Because you could, I thank him for my dog. She's lived 12 years. She's been through a lot. She's lost half her teeth. I pray over her teeth now. There isn't enough. You could spend the whole week and not run out of things to thank him for. And if you do, you got to dig deeper. Because there's wholeness and completeness. And the reason why you stop short, the reason why you get shallow with your thankfulness is because there's something you're holding on to. Something you're not truly grateful for. And so you can be superficially grateful. Yes, yes, I love the Lord. Yes, great, great, great. But when it's just you and Him and you got to dig deep for thankfulness, you're going to run smack into that issue and it'll shine light on it. And God will be like, see that right there? You're not thankful because you're still waiting for this answer and it's not turning out like you'd hoped it would turn out. And that's when you're going to dig deep and you're going to cry some tears and you're going to lay it down before God and then the wholeness will come Amen. and the completeness will come and the miracles will begin to unfold in your life like you can't, at the rate you can't even begin to imagine because of gratefulness. Amen. Let's stand up and give, a God, give God some gratitude. Lord, we love you today. We're grateful for you, Jesus. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for guiding and leading us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for never leaving us alone, never leaving us behind, that you walk alongside of us everywhere we go, God. Thank you for never giving up on us, God. What are you thankful for today? Put some, put some thanks on your lips. If you need to repent before God for holding on to some things, for 
for judging him. Let it go right now in your heart. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry if I was one of the nine that, that ran away, that didn't come back, that didn't show you the gratitude you deserve, God, even though you were blessing me and thanking me and giving me so many good things. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. Get your heart right with the Lord. He knows. He sees. He wants to give you wholeness and completeness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for your mercy. It's undeserved. We can't deserve it, Lord. We deserve what's coming to us, but you took it. So, Lord, we give you it. We thank you, God. We thank you for your healing. Lord, I thank you for healing taking place right now in this room. I thank you that even as those people that are waiting for that healing manifestation to take place, Father, even as the thankfulness rolls off their lips, Father, that the miracle is complete, that the wholeness comes, God. Even right now, I thank you, Lord, that that pain leaves their body, that disease cannot stay in their blood because gratitude brings the very presence of God, wholeness, sweet, peaceful sleep for those. The anxiety goes because you lay it at his feet because you're thankful for the very breath in your lungs. So what do you have to possibly be anxious for? He holds the breath you breathe in his palm. Your life is not your own. Every day is borrowed. So be thankful for the day. Choose to live for him. Don't allow that to stay in your body because you are whole and healed. Your mind is clear. You have full control over your health. Your generation does not dictate. There's no generational curse that dictates your health to you. You have the wisdom of God. You have the strength to walk out living a healthy life. Not a diet, but a lifestyle change. A lifestyle change because the very power of God resides within you. And as you thank him each day for what he's given you and the beauty inside of you and the strength and the clarity of mind, he will help you in what you need to do. He'll give you the wisdom and direction that you need. Wholeness. Wholeness. The wisdom of God is your portion. As you thank him, God, I need wisdom in my job. I need God's wisdom. I need to be able to look at it through the eyes of God for a solution. So, Father, I thank you for that right now. But, God, I give you praise and glory and honor, and I put thanks on my lips for the fact that I have a job. That I have a job. I thank you, God. Holy Spirit, help me to be forever filled with gratitude. Don't let me get distracted by the enemy ever again. Let me be first through those doors because I can't wait to be at his altar to worship him with gratitude and thankfulness. God, let every breath that I breathe bring glory and honor to your name. Let my motives be pure and my heart 
be cleansed before you, God. Thank you for your endless love, Jesus. Thank you that I could never deserve or earn what you've given me, what you've set before me, what you've ordained me to do. But God, I thank you. I thank you for the journey. I thank you for helping me through the hardships and the trials that I went through. I thank you for picking me up every time I fell down. I thank you for healing my heart and the wounds, God. I thank you, Father, that even though the enemy tried to take me out, God, that you stood beside me. Even as I fought to stand back up, God, you were with me. Even though I know you allowed me to struggle because the struggle made me stronger. I even thank you for that, God. Because the plans you have for me are so great. You need me to be strong and not easily knocked over. So you allowed me to be knocked over when it didn't count. But Lord, you allowed me that struggle so that I could dig deep and realize who I am in you what you've got for me and how much you love me. You allowed me to go through those struggles so that I would never look to man ever again. You allowed me to go through that because as I came out on the other side, my heart, my soul, my mind was only anchored in you. Yes. Never again would I let the betrayal of man pull me left or right. God, I even thank you for the tears that I've cried in my journey. Because you caught them all, God. You never, ever left me. You didn't ever not hear me. But you were a good father who raised me well, God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. It's all you, Jesus. It's all you. Thank you, Jesus. You see how his presence came? If you're sensitive with your spirit, you'd know that his presence just came in like a rushing wind. Because nothing draws him closer than when you appreciate him. Nothing draws him closer than when you stop and look him in the eyes and have a moment of intimacy a moment where you go beyond just what you can see thankfulness, but you reach into the dark places, into the past, and you pull out your gratitude. You reach deep. You make it meaningful. And his presence shows up. That's true gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, God. I'm in awe of your presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this word, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Was that good? Wasn't God good? Woo. 
I'll tell you, I don't usually get like that, but when I was writing this sermon, there were times I just stopped and I was like, I need a mic that I can drop. Because I, I, as the Holy Spirit gave me this, I haven't typed so fast. I was telling him, Holy Spirit, slow down. I, it was coming out like a fire hose. I was writing so fast and I would push my way from the computer and be like, I need a mic to drop right now. God, that's good. You know, you know that's good when it's like God's giving you stuff so quick. You're like, whoa, what? Back it up. Good God. I, I was like, I was so excited to preach it just to hear it all put together. So Holy Spirit, thank you, God. We love you. All right. If you, uh, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be down front. Um, otherwise, have a great afternoon. P3 is going to be awesome. You want to come out, bring a friend. It's going to be some awesome time in God's presence. All right. Love you guys. And come and meet us. If you're new, please come down and introduce yourselves to our pastors. We'd love to meet you. Have a great afternoon.